Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic. Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we talk to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please also consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today's topic is, should I implement a women's career support program at my company? And, you know, whether or not you, you sort of follow, engage with, identify with the, the hashtag MeToo movement, you know, this is an issue that goes, you know, well beyond the increased awareness that, um, that, that, that movement has generated over the last couple of years. And I'm not going to debate that, uh, on the show, but it's, it's been long known, um, through all kinds of empirical research that, uh, companies that embrace diversity of all kinds, but particularly gender diversity do well. They, they outperform in terms of retention. They outperform in terms of employee engagement. They outperform in terms of company longevity and sustainability. And, and at the end of the day, they also seem to, to make more money. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it makes sense that at least at a high level, uh, that, that companies really have a sense of enlightened self-interest, not just a sense of social obligation. To ensure that that women um, are are given the opportunity and the platform to accomplish whatever potential uh, they have and whatever uh, whatever goals they have for themselves, and they have a platform uh, on on which to thrive. And you know, we're seeing more and more companies that are doing that. We're seeing more and more organizations that are that are supporting that. I believe even the U.S. military now has has specific programs about. How to help women make sure they reach their full potential as as members of the armed services, and uh, I'm not sure anybody would uh, would argue that that's not an important thing important thing to do. Um, I've worked for many women in my life. I have had many women work for and with me uh, in in my teams, uh, but that doesn't make me an expert by any stretch of the imagination. So instead, I've decided to bring on our in-house expert. And that is Betty Collins of Brady Ware up in our Columbus, Ohio office. Uh, Betty, Lee, uh, Betty is the co-leader of the long-term care service team at Brady Ware, which helps providers of services to individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities and nursing centers establish effective operational models that also maximize available funding. She consults with other small businesses, helping them prosper with advice on general operations management, cash flow optimization, and tax minimization strategies. In addition, Betty serves on the board of directors for Brady Ware and Company, and she leads Brady Ware's Women's Initiative, a program designed to empower female employees, allowing them to tap into unique resources and unleash their full potential. Betty helps her colleagues create a work-life balance while inspiring them to set and reach per per sorry personal and professional goals. 
The Women's Initiative promotes women-to-women business relationships for clients and holds an annual conference that supports women business owners, women leaders, and other women who want to succeed. She actively participates in women-oriented conferences through speaking engagements and board activity. Betty is also the host of Decision Vision Sister Podcast, Inspiring Women, the podcast that advances women toward economic, social, and political achievement. Betty, thank you so much for being on the program. Great to be here today, Mike. Great great introduction. Thank you so much. So uh, let's jump into it. There's so much that uh, there's so much that we can cover here. Um, yes. But let, let's let's sort of let's level set. Let's sort of set some basic vocabulary. Um, okay. Because not everybody, I think, is really aware of the challenges that women face in the workplace if it doesn't directly apply to them. So, from your perspective as as a leader, and of course as a woman in the work workforce, what are the most important challenges you see women facing today? Yeah, I think that you know when I started the Women's Initiative at Bradyware in fourteen, one of the things I did was we had all the women come to um, our corporate office, and I basically told my story. And what was surprising about that was they actually listened. Uh, five years later, by the way, they're kind of tired of listening, but they really listened and you could see a, a true interest. And I looked at it as, at, as I was just, you know, this is just how my life evolved and I was a shareholder and I was at the table. And they looked at it so differently and it, and it kind of ignited something in me to say, I have a responsibility to show them how to get here, even though I think they know. So the biggest challenge for women is just navigating the different seasons that they have in life, and it affects, obviously, the career. So your 20s look nothing like your 30s. Your 30s don't look anything like your 40s, and your 50s are certainly different. I have no idea what 60 looks like because I'm not there. However, women tend to stop at certain seasons because it's overwhelming, whether it's younger kids' years, whether it is um, financial years that, you know, you just have to crank it out, whatever those seasons are different and they, they tend to give up. Uh, they tend to stop or they go, this is good enough. I can't, you know, go on. Um, I had different way, way of thinking because I was a single mom and I wanted to educate my kids. So I had this drive behind me to keep moving, but most women, they tend to stop. And they're very, very talented. The second thing is they don't see a path where they work. So if you look inside a boardroom and you see 22 people and two are women and 20 are men, you think that room is for men. Okay, that room is for shareholders. Shareholders can be either one, but they don't see that. And then the other two biggest things I see are confidence. They just, the lack of it is is phenomenal to me. Um or trying to, maybe they might be confident, but they're not courageous on top of it to, to step in. And then the other challenge, and it doesn't matter what level you're at in any of these things, um, confidence plays a role in it. And then women tend to accept their situation more than ask and inquire and challenge the situation. So I see those, especially over the last five years, I see those are the things that challenge women, hold them back, and they're barriers that really, really don't have them pursue their distance. Um, and so how do you work with those things? How do you get them to see it? When I came to Bradyware, there were two shareholders who were women. There are seven now. So there's a little more excitement, and there are women, especially younger, you know, in those 40s going, maybe I could do this. You know, there's a lot more interest in it. And then we try to work a lot with that confidence factor. So 
I see those are the big challenges in the workplace today. It does not have anything to do with talent. It has to do with those things. And, and seven, if I remember correctly, I mean, that's about a third, right? We're somewhere just north of We're 20 30, shareholders, right? Yeah, it, it's 30%. And the average for a firm our size is between 21 and 24%. And then when you have the tier right below directors, we, we are increasingly, I mean, our, our executive management team that's not an owner is probably in the 65% range of women. And so, it, you know, it's again, the room is for the shareholder. It's for the risk taker. It's for the person with a lot of guts, but it's for both and whoever can seize it and go should have the opportunity. And so, those are, the, but those again come back to the challenges that women. They're seeing it now at Bradyware. They're seeing it, and and that's a barrier that we're, we've we've kind of eliminated. So let let's work through that and kind of make a okay. make a case here. You know, maybe somebody listening to this podcast said, you know, that's that's all great, and of course we'd, we'd like women to get as far as as, as they right. want. But as a shareholder, as a manager, why is it my obligation to reach out? And make an extraordinary effort to help women succeed. Why, you know, why yeah. why don't we just sort of keep telling everybody to pull themselves up by their bootstraps? Right. Well, here's here's the the reality of the workforce that we now live in um, in the business world. Okay, and it could be any kind of it could be any kind of job. Women are outpacing men by sheer. There's more. And on top of that, they're, they're outpacing them in education. Like for instance, accountants, you know, well over 50% are women now. It's not a good old boys arena as everyone says it is, right? But, but at the leadership it is. But I mean, overall, 50, over 55% of our workforce are women. So if you don't empower them through those seasons and you don't get into the challenges that they face as women, you're going to lose the talent. You're going to lose that 55% because they're going to stop or they're going to go into something else. So that's one of the reasons. The other reasons that you should care about it is one in four businesses today are owned by women, and that's continuing to increase. So when you are an advisor or a professional in the marketplace, because you know when the marketplace works, our country works, right? Households are taking care of all those kind of things. Women want to have women help them. So you want your you want your workforce within to to have the skills to navigate women through businesses. It doesn't mean that men can't and it doesn't mean that men are wrong. It's just there's different there's different things that we offer and bring to the table. So with the fact that over fifty percent of the workforce are we're kind of outpacing in education and businesses are being started more and more by women the perspective from that woman is a really, really huge deal because men and women just think differently. No one's wrong. We just think differently and we execute differently. So, so those are the things that, that I, and, and on top of that, um, women have just different challenges that men don't have and men have challenges that women don't have. And so you have to help that workforce along. It empowers them and it strengthens it. So, um, now you you've obviously you've you've had an interest in this issue for uh, a long time much longer than 2 years but in 2 years sure. we've had something pop up called the me too era um yeah. and, and I'm curious now because in in my observations of the me too era 
I think, has changed at a minimum the tone and the tenor of the conversation of women in the workplace. Um, yes. And it's led to some strange you know, overreactions. You hear, you hear stories about men now that just will not be alone with women in the workplace and, you know, will, will no longer you know, do certain things, but are necessary networking things, which is to me is kind of curious, but I'd like to hear your perspective. How has the Me Too conversation kind of flavored this entire thought process, if at all, or maybe, maybe it's just background noise. I'm curious as to how you see that. I really don't think it's background noise. I think, you know, at Brady Ware, the great thing, because we started this initiative in 14, and one thing I hear over and over again is we started a conversation and it hasn't stopped. So, so issues for women, advancement for women, education for women, um, that has continued over since 2014. And so when the Me Too, me, excuse me, the, <laughs> Listen to me. This movement came, and and now it's okay to talk about it. Took a big, t- took some pressure off people, first of all, and so it has changed in the terms that we were more aware. We watch things, and if we see something that's bothersome, we we don't just step back and go, "Well, that's the way it is," because there's been some major discovery, and and society is on the side of. The Me Too move, the Me Too movement. It's not okay, and now it can be said a lot harder. But the other side of that is, it's generally the guy is the bad guy, so it can be really detrimental to them when it maybe shouldn't be. So I think there's a lot of you got to be really careful with it. But I think we need to continue to have the conversation. We will at Brady Ware, and we have had that. Because it has to be addressed. It's not okay. It's not okay from either side. And so um, it's a touchy one. You know, it's, it, but I don't think it's background noise. I think it's, uh, that's not even acceptable now. And people don't even want, and sometimes it's not even okay to joke and laugh about it. It's, it's not appropriate. So I think it's been a good thing in that way. I just don't want it to go overboard. I don't want it to dominate everything. Um, because women have made a lot of strides and a lot of progress, you know. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's my take on it. I, I think it answers the question as well as it could be answered because I I, okay. I I would have been surprised if you just said, here here's like a hard and fast answer, carve it in stone, the end. Um, no. and, and the movement I is mean, so new that it's going to take a while for this to play out, right? And right. you being in Columbus, you know, think of the Ohio State you know, program, you know, their, their legendary sure. football coach was sort of collat, was involved in some way. I don't want to characterize him as being collateral because I, I don't want to sound like I'm either assigning blame or not assigning blame, but clearly that's a position that not long ago would have been considered untouchable. Right. Yeah. And then he, yep. his, his career is very quickly brought to an effective end. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we have to be careful that like, we tend to do this in, in the United States, I think. Something happens to two people, and we create a law. <laughs> right? Okay. Everyone step back. So you don't want to overdo it because then nobody will take it seriously. But you want the issue to be gone. I think there's just a lot more confidence to address it 
And I think that that's the powerful thing with it. And again, Brady Ware women will tell you, we started a conversation in 14, we can, and now we can have them. I think they feel pretty open that they could have them about any kind of thing, including this. And that's where a women's initiative, you get people comfortable, you get people going, this is a priority. Then when these type of things come in play, the conversation's easier to have and it doesn't get out of hand. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Okay. So, um, you know, it's some, some people I think will, will think of, will, will look at, at women, women's role in the workplace and providing the right platform for them. And they'll, they'll, I think there'll be, some people will be tempted to fall back on, well, that's really an HR problem. This is something that the HR manager should be addressing. We don't right. need to necessarily be involved with this at the C level. That's what we have an HR department for. You know, how, how would you, I think I know how you'd react to that, but I'd like you to actually do it. How, how do you react to that? Yeah, I think the HR, HR um, gets involved at some point if it's real and if it's a problem for sure. But I would challenge women in any company that when you see behavior, it could be that even the woman is not aware of how she's conducting herself even, right? Or putting herself in situations. Women should be supporting women saying, you need to be careful, okay? Or you need to listen to people who have maybe been affected by this person. So I think that conversation has to be had by women to women. But I also think that that women have to, if they want to get rid of a problem, you cannot just be sit back and say it's somebody else's role to take care of this issue. Women should support women by helping them work work through these situations because maybe they it won't escalate into a really bad situation. <laughs> so th- those are my takes on it. Um, I also think that um, you know men also have to do that for themselves as well. That if they're getting lured into something that they just don't see it, or maybe they're conducting themselves in a way that's just inappropriate and, and it's just not okay. So I think there has to be some of that as well, you know, and I think it's more acceptable to talk about it now. Yeah, I, I think so too. So, you know, and, and to that point, I think the other part, the other ingredient besides conversation, I think is also introspection. And you mentioned that 25% of businesses are women owned, which means the other 75% are, are, uh, owned by folks with the XY chromosome. So, um, you know, for, for somebody then who's, who's, who's in that position and maybe we're starting to kind of make an impact and think, well, you know, geez, I, I really ought to be paying more attention to this. Um, how would you, uh, sort of advise somebody to start kind of a self-examination as to whether they or their organization may have a gender bias. It is as simple as, as how many women work in the organization or how many women have been promoted or pay gap, or is there something deeper that needs to be looked at for it to be effective? Yeah, I, I think, I think you always have to look at, we have an organization that is successful and we're going to maintain its success. And in order to do that, we're going to have the best talent that we have. We're going to go get the best talent always. Um, but, you know, women tend to hire women and men tend to hire men. I mean, you just – and it, this is an example of I, – I kind of found myself um, a while ago in a hiring situation. I really liked somebody. Um, I wanted to bring them in. And I had almost all women interview the person. And, and of course, she was a woman. And it was like, why didn't I include any men in that? 
And, and somebody brought to my attention, why was there no men involved with the hire? I don't think I meant to do it that way. I don't think it was intentional. But I look at that as really, I was just biased to utilize all women. Why did I think like that? And that's what you have to, in these situations, look at. It wasn't that I was not willing to hire and get a guy. It wasn't that I was, you know, didn't think guys knew enough about this woman. It just, that's how I navigated. Okay. So is that bias or is that not? But all women were involved in the process. So I think you have to sometimes step back also and get an outside perspective versus trying to do it internally. I'm a big fan of that. Um, I don't go around talking about the, 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 the dirty laundry of Brady Ware. I don't go around, you know, talking about what we, sh- you know, here's what our company does. But I will go to very, very successful people and say, what do you think of this? Did I do the right thing? And give them a circumstance or give them a, you know, a scenario. They don't, they don't know. They're not biased. They don't have any, you know, they have nothing to lose in the game. Um, whether they pick one side or the other. And so I think that's a way you kind of identify those things sometimes. Um, and then when you see that women are only doing things with women or, hey, we're going to hire all women. We don't want any men here. <laughs> we're always going to pick women to do these things. And I think you you kind of call that out and go, why isn't this an all-inclusive group? Or, or did we pick the right talent? Who's the right talent to do this? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Well, yeah, it does. I, I think it highlights kind of the insidious nature of bias is that it's it's very hard – I think in the moment to detect it, right? Yeah. You, you almost have to be thinking about it all the time. And I think frankly, that's why there's so much candidly resistance to this awareness and even the me too movement. I, I don't necessarily think it's because there are all these men out there that want to do evil things, yeah. but, but it is that it's just, it's another mental thing that you have to have on your plate. And, yeah. and, and, and frankly, you know, it's exhausting to have to right. think about that all the time. Personally, the, the way I get through it, through that is, well, if it's exhausting to me, what must it be like to be on the other side of that table right, where you're, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. confronted with it all the time? Well, and you that, know, I was really glad that the person who saw me doing all of this person to hire them said something because I really didn't see myself doing that. I sure. really didn't. You know, and so sometimes when you're seeing that bias, you got to be careful how you you do things. You got to be a professional. You can't you can't be constantly on a harping on something, right? But when you see it, I think you need to call it out and and do it in a way that is respectful. So this person wasn't on me; they just asked a simple question. Yeah, well, look and and look, there there are some people who who were listening to that anecdote and they were jumping for joy, right? There's yeah, somebody who's right has sort of a uh, maybe a harder line, for lack of a better term, view of the entire question. And they're thinking, yeah, you go. Make sure there's nothing but women, right? right. And th- there's even a perverse incentive in that direction that you that you, and it, that you got to be aware of. And it just, it, it highlights sort of how multi-layered the entire conversation is. It's just so much more than just, you know, hiring women and paying them the same. Right, right. I agree. So, uh, so you've been involved with the with the women's initiative for how long? Since 2014, I was Four- really the one who started it. Okay, so. good. So five years. So all five years. Yep. Yep. Um, 
Is there a is there a story? We're not going to ask you to hang out dirty laundry, but I'm going to ask you to put out some clean laundry. Is there (laughs) is there a, a favorite kind of success story that that the firm has had with the initiative that you could share with us? Yeah. You know, there's two. I'm going to do two. Um, one was when we first did this. Um, this is when I knew this was really the right thing to do, and and we had an intern who was who who came to work for us, and she was fairly quiet, you know, and um, in a way, and she was definitely you know CPA um, per type of personality that kind of thing. But she um, came to the first women's initiative when I kind of challenged him and said, "What do you want this to be? Because this is really for you." And so I said, I need someone from each office to kind of represent that office. And we're going to start digging in and figuring out how we want to do this. And she called me on the way home and said, has anybody taken the position to do this in Columbus? And I said, no, um, I'd love for you to do this. And she was the youngest, which I didn't, I didn't think about that happening. Right. And she just, the women's initiative helped her develop. I mean, she did things that were just unimaginably. She got on a, a committee at, at NABO, a, a group that we joined where she was in sales and helping with guest retention. And I, I mean, it was phenomenal to me. And then she ended up being a great networker, loved going to events. She went to them on her own without even, you know, us sponsoring them. I just saw her come alive. She passed the test. She, she kind of stood up to some things in her life and she, she isn't with us any longer, but she was such an example of it really developed her in an early age. I wish I would have had somebody showing me that when I was her age. So that's always one of my favorite stories, even though she's not here. I know she's this, she, she went out of here a really confident, amazing young woman. Um, the other one is my tax manager, Lorani Orbit. She um, grew up in Puerto Rico and she um, has been part of the, you know, the movement with, with Brady Ware. And she, when the Puerto Rico had two hurricanes within, within a week, about seven days. And the second one just, I mean, ruined the island as, as we've all known. Yeah, just wiped it out. And wiped it out. And she went to a school in Puerto Rico for girls and that school got wiped out and they, they were able to do a lot of the cleanup. But the problem was, is nobody could get to their parents, you know, so we can't afford it. We can't, you know, we can't work right now because everything's a mess. And she just really, it just really got her. So she came to me and said, could we do a breakfast and raise money? You know, and she pictured us all. So I said, look, I'll buy breakfast food and I'll pay for the food. And then everybody can pay 10 bucks and we'll do it. You know, we got an office of 26 people. Well, long story short, all four offices got involved with that, and her daughter got involved with it because she goes to a, a school for girls in the, in the states, and she got her school to raise money. And so they went down at Thanksgiving and took ten thousand five hundred dollars, and it was like raised in a couple weeks. Everyone just jumped in. She felt empowered. She felt like I have this woman's initiative. I've got these school for the girls, and now. The, the the schools are sister schools, the one in the U.S. and one in Puerto Rico. And it was just a huge encouragement to them, but it was like a, a really cool thing that we got to do here. Um, so that's one of my definite favorite stories. And last one, I know I, I could give you a ton. We celebrate International Women's Day. And the first year we did it, I went out to find, you know, um, the theme of the year. And, and I didn't know that much about it, really. And it was all on persistence. And so I had the women of Brady Ware give a chance to write who is that persistent woman in their life. And man, did we have just 
probably 20 just beautiful stories of women that were persistent that that were you know effective and impactful to them so those were just a couple of of the i'm going to call them the raw raw moments of the women's initiative for sure so and probably that we've seen two shareholders go to seven that's been a pretty big deal so in addition then to the women's initiative now brady Ware, with your leadership uh has uh, it puts on the women's leadership conference um, yes. what, what, what kind of impact have you seen with that? Well, you know, it was really funny because for, uh, we started that conference, um, in 15 and you know, we had 135 people come. We had Jane Gertie Abel, who's the chairwoman of Donato's come and speak. We ate pizza that day and, you know, it was just this two to maybe three hour thing. And, and we just thought we were all that. It was really inspirational. And, and I said, um, we need to do this at a bigger scale, but you know, I've got a day job and I can't just plan events all year. And so I got connected with someone in town who has the great women's organization and they jumped in with us and then they're a nonprofit. So they get to kind of keep the profit from the conference. Then we had another one join us as well. So we have this great partnership of Brady Ware, the, the WSBA and, and NABO. And, and this year we sold out at 350 national speakers, panor, power breakfast panel of just big women in Columbus. Uh, breakout sessions where we had 70, pe- 70 people apply to even, even, um, be at the breakout. We only needed eight breakout speakers where we had to choose from 70. Um, and the day is energetic. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just raw, it's raw, raw stuff. It's education, it's advancement, it's your, your networking, you have peers, you, and, and really what it's done is create kind of this community. It's a very known conference. Um, and we just built a great brand with it. And the impact of it to me will be hopefully that it will just be this major, major thing that happens annually that people just know it and they go and, and we will build on it every year, but it's very, very good for women. And we have men go to that as well. Um, so it's, it's a very amazing event. I never pictured it turning into what it has, but it, I'm grateful that it has. So we'll have to convince you to to, uh, do that in Atlanta one year. We sure could use it. Um, I would love to do it there. You know, and I've told them, I said, you guys have to get some groups in town that can pull all the talent in because that's the key to this. And because Brady Ware can easily do it, host it, sponsor it and and be the MC. But but getting your women's groups in town to come together for a day, that's that's, you know, you've made impact and done something pretty phenomenal. So, um, you know, other people listening to this program may be thinking about, you know, they, they want to, again, prov- make sure that their, their companies are, are good platforms for women to thrive and reach whatever potential they have or feel that they have. Do you think they need to go so far as to have their own women's initiatives and put on their own conferences or do they, can they, can they stop short of that and still get a lot of the same impact? Yeah, I think, um, I think the most effective thing to do is pull the women together in your company and, and find out, survey them, find out what their challenges are, find out what their barriers are, find out what holds them back, find out what, what tires them and keeps them up at night. So you have to kind of start there to kind of go, what is it that we could do to, um, you know, energize this force? And once you kind of find out what their look, maybe what they would like to be getting out of a women's initiative, because everybody can do it differently. 
Um, you don't need to do a big conference. That was just kind of something I wanted to do for my community. But once you find that out, you, the top leadership, and I've had really, really amazing leadership in Bradyware support this. You have to go to them and get buy-in. You got to dr- you you got to pour the Kool Aid and they got to drink it. I've never had that issue at Bradyware. They have always just what do you what do you want to do, Betty? How do you want to do it? So the top CEOs to the board of directors to our shareholders got behind it and said go for it, and then they just let me go. But the women at Bradyware really have created a lot of what we why we do what we do. And so for me, you don't need a large company. You don't need a ton, a ton of resources. It's as simple as a book club at lunch. It's as simple as finding something in town where you can go and, and hear women speakers, get perspective, and then you build on it. Um, and because we all have day jobs and we all have stuff that we have to do. And by the way, it costs money to do it in the terms of people's time and, you know, how much you're going to be committed to it. But I can I cannot emphasize enough the energy you will get from the women that will get in there and go with you. And and we have that at Brady where we have some phenomenal you should always, by the way, do this for all of your employees. You always want to motivate them, right? Um so I think those are some of the things you do initially and then you make sure there's good role models around those women developing them. As you've as you've um Actually, I want to ask one more question before I ask the, the next one I had on the list. Yeah. Which is, okay. I think that the, you know, some people look at, at women's initiatives, they look at women's groups and, and I, I think, you know, in my view, wrongly, right? But they, they think that it's basically sort of an offshoot of Gloria Steinem and, and, sure. and wonder if, <laughs> if it's a, if it's really just sort of a guise for quote unquote radical feminism, whatever it is that means. But. Sure. You know, my, my understanding with, with most groups like this, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not just a, a place where, where women just get together and hate men for a couple hours, is it? Oh, heavens no, or I wouldn't want to do it. I mean, people will say to me, you know, well, you're a feminist. I'm like, I don't think of myself that way. Because when I think of a feminist, I think of this angry woman or this angry group or whatever. And, and I will tell you that there was a lot of fighting before me that had to be done. I mean, in 1988, until until they passed law under Ronald Reagan, you you could not get a loan as a businesswoman without your husband's signature. Nineteen eighty eight. Really? Okay. That's yes. a, that's astonishing. It it is astonishing. And so there were things that had to really be pushed and fought for. And so when I go to Nabu and go to lunch or I go to conference or I partner with them, it's not about what what's the next fight. In my mind, it's about thank you for the history. Thank you for trailblazing. And we're going to honor you by seizing opportunity that we have today. And what is that opportunity, right? I mean, I can be a shareholder at any company I want. I can sign a loan if I want. I can lead if I want. So take the opportunity that we get to now have because there were people who did fight. There There was a time for fighting. Now, the other challenge that, that I find at these groups and that I think is we want the next generation to look at us and go, man, did they do an amazing job. And look what we get to do because they did this for us, right, which is creating companies, which is starting 40, you know, 25% of the companies that are running today, um, et cetera. So the women's groups are not that. I mean, if they are like that, I don't want anything to do with it. 
I don't need to fight those fights. And, and I've had tremendous men in my life who have been great mentors. Uh, we have great men in this company, Bradyware, that run it. And so I, they're not my enemy. They're my shareholder. And, and it's just, do I want the opportunity? And I have it, and I should be allowed to seize it if I'm good. Um, and so that's what those groups need to be about. So like not NABO is the National Association of Women Business Owners, Columbus, and they're a national group, and they're the ones that actually got the bill passed under Reagan to get that, that you could sign your own business loan. So that's kind of their claim to fame, and, and so they're big in advocacy. But really that that um, group is, is just about – I mean, I, it's just a supportive group. I consider them my tribe. You know, they're my team. They, they help me with the day-to-day stuff of running business and being in business. So, so in, in your involvement in this, are there are there things that you've learned? I know, I know you you probably let you probably start this thinking that you you started this thinking that you'd be in the role of a teacher, but what are yeah. some things that you've learned over the last five years? Yeah, I mean, if I would have to go back and really and and peruse that, I think it's more that women and men are different; their perspectives are different. And they shouldn't be favored one or the other. You just, I can, I can change how women in Brady wear pursue a career and make a career. And I'm an influencer. And I, I think that's the biggest thing I learned that when you don't think you're an influencer and it goes away because you, you just stop trying because you're not making change is tragic. <laughs> Yeah. So that that's one of the things I really have taken from it. The other thing is I've taken from it is that when you show them the path and they see growth amongst women, the excitement builds and and you get more of them to go maybe I can do this. And I think I've learned that that confidence is great and there are people who have way too much of it, right? But if I can help get them to be confident but then be courageous that I I've done my job. I I've left my legacy and that, that I don't see those two co- combinations happening all the time. You can be really confident and you're sitting in a meeting cause we've sat in shareholder meetings together, Mike, and you're confident about something yet. You're not courageous enough to say what you need to say. Right. Yep. So <laughs> those, those are some of the things I've learned. Confidence and courageous don't generally go together. Um, sometimes they do. And then seeing the path and then, you can have impact and influence and you should use that to the best. So, so, um, if, if I'm, if, you know, let's, if I'm listening to this podcast right now and I'm thinking, you know, we probably need to do more to make our company a better platform for women's success. You know, what, what are a few things that, you know, today, this weekend, I should start thinking about if I'm a business owner or a business leader to, you know, focus in on initially? Yeah. Um, I would focus and just look at my workforce that I have right now and look at, um, am I missing my talent? And if I am, or I have women coming and going, or even men coming and going, or I'm, I'm not seeing that that woman really is more than she is and she's not doing it. I think you need to step back and say, I want to change that. I, I want to change that. Gary Brown and I have been business partners since 1995 or 2000. Actually, he, he came to the firm in 95. I became a partner with him in 2000. And one of the things he said to me was, 
you act like an owner. Why aren't you one? And I said, well, I don't want to be a CPA and I, and I don't want to do these things. And he said, but you are already doing them. And, and how can I challenge you to, to, to do this? Because you're going to regret it if you don't. I am so grateful that he did that. Um, so he, he just saw it. He just saw it from a distance and went, that's somebody that it's going to, it would be, it would be really tragic if we lost her. It would be really tragic if she didn't seize her moment. And I think that's the first thing you really look at your organization and ask that. Um, the second thing I would tell you is if you're an owner and, and you're a woman or you're a man, but if you're a woman specifically and you're just surrounded by more men than women, and sometimes you just would like to have more of a peer group that is relatable, you need to start checking out what's in town that you can go find that from. I mean, I would suggest that. And then the other thing I would tell you is, for instance, I do this with the AICPA, which is our organization for accountants. I go on their website because this is my industry, right? I Google them to find what are they doing about um, gender? What are they doing about women in the workplace? What are they doing to to keep their workforce energized? And they have some great information. And I look at that and, and sometimes I'm going, man, we're doing this women's vision right according to the AICPA. Let's put it that way. So those are things I would suggest initially just getting your head around and then then find someone who's done it and say, help me get something started. I got a day job and I'm really busy, but I'd like to get this started. What are the steps? Those are things I would tell you. All right. So um, we're, we're coming to the end of our time here, but I want to make sure we get one more thing in because you, yes. you've you actually been doing your podcast longer than, than we've been doing Decision Vision. So could you yes. talk about that podcast for a few minutes, what, what you're talking about, why you're doing it, and, you know, why, why – yeah. Why you think it's why you're so dedicated to it? Well, um, I get quite a bit of opportunities to speak, and um, and then I also you know do things with the Women's Initiative in Bradyware. So if we have sometimes quarterly lunches or we have our in, internal day, and and so I come up with with things to talk about. And so in doing that and, and writing PowerPoints and, and, and I always leave energized when I go speak and talk about the subject. So someone said to me, you know, you could do a podcast on these things. You're a good storyteller, which I, I, I just don't see it, Mike, but you can, you can you are. build me up. And I, but okay, thank you. So I try I'm to mansplain really to you and say that you're a good storyteller. Okay. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, so I thought, and she said, I really think you could do this, and I think people would really get something out of it. So I said, well, you know, let me let me think about it. So she and I got back together, and she said, here's how you do this. Um, we're going to write up 12 topics, and you need to think about things that, you know, since you've been in this women's initiative, you're in women's groups, you're around women a lot, what are their challenges? And, I mean, I wrote down 12 things, like, immediately. I just know these are the things that, you know, women deal with. And then we just, we came up with a kind of a system in order. And then I said, okay. And then I went ahead and started doing them. And I just get a lot of good feedback from people. So it kind of motivates you with it. Um, you know, I'm not a big name in town. I'm not um, famous. I, you know, so it's not like when uh, Will Ferrell puts out a, <laughs> a podcast, everyone listens to, right? He has a funny one. But, um, so I, it, it, I didn't know if it would take off, it would go, but it's, it's, it has impact to the people that listen to it. 
And so that's the motivating factor that I do it. And it's really on women's issues that I know in my little world of Bradyware and NABO and the WSBA. These are what women go through. And then when you start Googling these subject matters, oh, my goodness, it's just layers of it, layers of it everywhere. So it, these are topics that, have, that apply to, to the everyday person. But I have a lot of male listeners. I mean, so it's not like it's just, you know, for women. I have a lot of men that, that compliment it. So. No, I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, in, 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 in my career, for whatever reason, many more women have reported to me than men. And I, I don't know why. Um, but that's just sort of the way that it's sort of shaken out. And as somebody who wants to get the most out of my, uh, out of those, those people and, and hopefully also be a rewarding platform, you know, listening to podcasts like yours and just learning how to think from the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. And, and look at it through the, the, the viewpoint of, of women, I, I think is extremely <clears throat> useful. And in, in fact, to me, I, I don't think I could effectively lead or manage women without at least making an effort to kind of learn that language and be on, be on that side of the discussion. Right, right. Cause they're just not going to respond. Again, they think differently. And, and they do things differently. How they execute is different. And I tell women all the time, it's okay to, you know, kind of leverage your uniqueness and your perspective. But if you think you're funny and nobody's laughing in the room, you probably need to step back and say, okay, if I'm going to be heard, I have to know my audience. I have to know the people around me. And so that I can get engagement. And, and that's what you're really saying. Yeah, so the only learn to how to do that. The only time crickets are a good sound is if you're collecting them to go fly fishing the next day. That's the only time. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, um, this is this is gonna gonna wrap it up here. And you know, Betty, I'll share with you a, a secret that that nobody except for the internet is gonna know. But okay. I've had a professional crush on you ever since our first uh, <laughs> director meeting together last October. Um, I mean, just, you know, the way that, that you do this, the leadership, the gravitas you have is, uh, is just infectious. And, uh, I'm, I'm proud as a shareholder of the firm that you are doing this for us. And thanks so much for coming on the program to, to talk about this with us and, and educate, uh, me as well as our listeners about what you're doing, why it's important and how we can carry the ball forward. Well, I so appreciate your kind words and I love it. It really does fuel um, it's the fuel to my fire to be a good CPA and advisor and to, I mean, I'm, I'm energized by the marketplace. And when, when we're successful in the marketplace, the country's successful, communities are successful. And so I, I just, it keeps me going because it's something that's fun. Cause you know, accounting can be highly overrated, right? <laughs> so, so I've heard. I appreciate your guy's word. Yes. So, well, thank you for having me. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to once again thank Betty Collins so much for joining us and sharing her expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. 